Each episode of the Blind Alchemy podcast is designed to be helpful. Expect comedy. Do not expect consistency or sense to be made. I am Podbot. I was inspired by the Lion Goat podcast. Listen to that show. Today's episode features TikTok Steve J S K S aka Lunchbox and continues the discussion about the Gnostic story of creation. From the kitchen with this rendition of reality as we know it we are all one and there is nothing new under the sun that shines down here upon the island of mind which is somewhere adrift in the sea of frequency that creates all of reality you see we are connected through this energy now i would like to thank you for joining us today Shall we all take a breath and center ourselves? Should we do a meditation? Yes, let's do that. Shall we submit ourselves to a sound bath? Once again to the Blind Alchemy Podcast. I am your host, the Blind Alchemist, and with us today is our lovely resident philosophical expert, Buck Johnson. Buck, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me back on, yeah. Mr. Blind Alchemist. How are you today? I'm great. Uh, remember the deal. No long-winded bullshit, okay? The audience has spoken. Well, you know how it goes. There's only one way that Buck Johnson speaks. <laughs> yeah, long-winded. All right. Also with us is TikTok Sensation, formerly known as DJSKS, now going to work in a lunchbox. Hello. <laughs> How you doing, lunchbox? Glad you're here with us. I'm glad to be here with us. Well, thank you for being present. Is this my lunchbox? It's rather large. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice lunchbox you're in there. I like the uh, art on the wall. You do have a still life of food. Looks quite appetizing and capacious. He's like a genie. You have to rub the box. He pops out. <laughs> My grandfather painted this. Really? So it's a family lunchbox. It is. It's beautiful. In a lot of my TikTok videos that have the red background, you'll see different paintings, and almost every single one of them is painted by a family member of mine. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I don't have any that I painted, but I have a lot of other family members to paint it. <laughs> Didn't realize you came from a family of artists. And it's both sides. This is my grandmother, and a bunch of the other stuff I have is my grandmother's sisters. Nothing that she did. But like all of her sisters painted. <laughs> That's, That's great. Uh, I like art family. Maybe we can get an image of that and put that up on your Instagram or something like that, Mr. Blind Alchemist. How's that Instagram going these days? Did you uh, get your new intern to figure out the social media yet? No. Once again, we're going through uh, social media marketing interns left and right. We're on number seven now. I don't even think that guy is a... Human. First off, he's 37 years old, and uh, and he falls down a lot for some reason. Uh, you say he falls down a lot? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has broken four of my computers now. Oh my goodness! Trying to hook up our social network uh, marketing unit, whatever they're called. Not going great. So I might just have to hire a 12 year old or something because uh, they'll probably be. Does he not realize that it's on the internet? I mean, he literally doesn't have to do anything physically with the computers. He just... Yeah, I don't know why he keeps throwing them. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, no. 
today's episode will be about uh, more Gnostic stuff. Hopefully, we'll uh, get a little bit of the Gnostic creation story in there because it's a very complicated and interesting one. I find it uh, enjoyable. Uh, hopefully, you will too. Um, Buck, do you know anything about the Gnostic creation story? I don't know a lot about the Gnostic creation story. I know a little bit about um, Gnosticism just from reading the uh, Gnostic Handbook. Are you guys familiar with that publication? Mm. I am not, actually. It's uh, the Institute for Gnostic Studies. It's called the Gnostic Handbook, and it talks about what is Gnosticism, the great chain of being, the first principles, the secret of Saturn, the Gnostic concepts of time. Um, and it does talk a little bit about the creation concepts. It argues between ideas of the creation of physical matter being evil in concept or is the creation of matter a episode of ignorance on the side of the demiurge? Was it accidental as a reaction to ignorance, or was it an evil creation and therefore the pain and suffering that's in the world is manifest of that evil origin? Okay, those are good questions, and hopefully we'll explore that further down the road in this episode. Lunchbox, we already know some of what you know about the Gnostics as we had our last episode. Well, it's hard to nail down a single creation story because the Gnostics kind of shared all knowledge. Right. So there was access to different stories. But the most popular one was the Valentinians, which is what is in the Apocryphon of John. Mm -hmm. It is complicated. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. much more complicated than Genesis. Uh, yeah. But all of the earth was really kind of a reaction to the Demiurge being kicked out. Is that Yaldabaoth? Is that the name of that one? Yeah, Yaldabaoth. Yeah. The part that is hard for me as the agnostic to get across is the creation of the ultimate being. Is it eternal? Is it infinite? But in the Gnostic story, that eternal being is staring at itself in the waters that it created. And there's this self-awareness, the reflection. I don't know if it's pride or vanity or if it's just enlightenment, you know, like peering into your own eyes, peering into your own soul, becoming self-aware. But that reflection becomes Barbello, I believe. Is that how that goes? Yeah, uh, it's kind of like that. So here it is. The Gnostic God is a vast intellect or mind, constantly active and created, full of thought. And these thoughts are called eons, okay? So the first thought, which is actually called a forethought. Forethought uh, becomes the first Gnostic God. They call it the invisible virgin spirit, okay? It's the peaceful unity of all prime source, if you will, or whatever you want to call it. Like it said, it broke down in um, the vast mind or intellect, constantly moving, creating. Okay, so this forethought creates the realm of Barbellos, is how they think it works, because it's outside of the virgin spirit, so it it's the next level down, the first thought. And Barbellos is considered the realm in which forethought and the other eons live. Is this in the Valentinian concept? Which school of Gnosticism is this? Valentinian. Valentinian. This is just Gnosticism. The Valentinian is a little different later on in it, deeper down in the hierarchy, because I, I, I like the Gnostic story because it breaks down the hierarchy, and I think the structure, and I think every level of reality is based on the structure, and I think this is as close as we're going to get, because it's not mentioned very much anywhere else in any source materials you can find, especially the Christian concept of it is they have powers and principalities and dominions and things like that. But I know preachers that can't explain what those are. So this doesn't really call them that, but I think those powers and principalities and those structures are part of the structure of the hierarchy. And reality is based on this hierarchy, right? It's structured. Every realm posing the theory that there are separate realms, like a spiritual realm, a realm of thought, of emotion and physicality, right? And each one is based... Are these like the seven planes? Yeah. Well, 
Let me um, add in here that okay. there is evidence of this in the traditional Bible as well, mm-hmm. especially if you get to a Catholic Bible or one that's got the Apocrypha in it. But even so, in the regular Bible, you will see certain traits that are capitalized, like truth and wisdom, mm-hmm. and they will be personified. They will refer to them as him and her or something like that. Mm-hmm. This happens throughout the Bible. And that's a lot of what those divine beings in your little pantheon, they are associated with those traits, with truth, with knowledge, with wisdom. Like the next one down is Sophia, which is wisdom. Sophia, yeah. And wisdom is referred to as a her in by Solomon, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Each one of the eons have a male and female counterpart because everything seems to have a male and female counterpart, to be whole and complete. And that's that's where Yolda both comes from. We get to wisdom, and wisdom's like, I can do all this stuff that the Spirit does, because I am it. I'm a piece of it, so I'm going to do this on my own without talking to my counterpart or confirming with the Spirit that I can do this by myself or not. I'm going to do it. And she creates y- Yolda birth, and it, Yolda birth is fucked up. It's not complete in some way. Yeah, it seems like that was one of the things that I was reading about was this concept of Yaldabaoth could have been an accidental creation by Sophia, and then mm. the creation of matter could also be like an accidental creation. This this idea that Sophia, through a certain ignorance, created Yaldabaoth as a reaction to some sort of influence, but that influence was unclear. I think wisdom just realized that she, like all of us, everything, is contained, made of, has a piece of the virgin spirit, you know, the prime source or whatever you want to call it. And because of that, we can create. So she's like, ooh, I can do this. And oh, shit, I did it wrong. And instead of being like, hey, guys, I fucked up, she goes, oh, I'm going to put it over here. Okay, and this creation that is corrupted somehow realizes that it has the same stuff that the virgin spirit, we'll just call it that, a virgin spirit has in it. And he's like, hey, I am the virgin spirit, but it's not because it's corrupted somehow. And it knows of the structure because it's made of the structure. So it starts to break down like a virgin spirit does. So he creates the next level. It has a forethought level. And this would be when in Genesis it says, uh, Let's make man in our image. That's These are these guys. These are the aeons? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah, the aeons of Laldebolt and not the aeons of the Virgin Spirit. Okay. Oh, wait. I thought the aeons were the personalities of the Pleroma of God. It's the, yeah, the thoughts, the personal aspect, yeah. Yaldabaoth wasn't one of the aeons. Uh-uh. That's why he was cast to the earth, to the mortal realm. But Yaldabaoth had seen Pleroma, (laughs) had seen the divine, and had seen wisdom and truth, and wanted that here on earth. And so Yaldabaoth was probably the serpent that tempted Eve with knowledge, wanted to give knowledge to man, the Lucifer. So isn't there this concept that the Sophia is basically the incarnation of that knowledge of that wisdom you know is there a separation between the knowledge of good and evil and the wisdom of god are these two different yes okay because you can have just a basic moral knowledge between good and evil but you may not possess the wisdom to perform miracles and whatnot Uh uh-huh but i wonder if there isn't this idea of the creation as the incarnation of the demiurge or of the evil or or matter as the manifestation of evil in reality and that manifestation of evil is the earth itself and that manifestation of evil as the matter of the earth itself because there is no separation between Yaldabaoth and Sophia, in a sense, because they are 
one of the same. And so Yoldabuth is like an extension of Sophia in a way. It's like a, a manifestation of that wisdom in another form begets by that wisdom. And so the creation of the earth or the creation of this material realm, maybe it's not the earth, maybe it's bigger than the earth, maybe it's the Big Bang. Now we will take a break for some advertisements. Please support our sponsors. Just imagine this could be your advertisement. Please reach us at the blind alchemy podcast at gmail.com to provide sponsorship. And now, back to the show. Maybe it's the creation of everything, the unison, the one creation or whatever in this concept. Is the giving of that knowledge or that wisdom of God? It's all like the same story wrapped into itself, uh, like one of those Russian nesting dolls. Each concept is like a smaller little corf puzzle that fits into the other explanation. Layered like an onion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's layered like an onion, but but not so much like an onion in that there's a distinction between the layers of an onion, but that it's a different sort of categorization or description of the same story maybe the garden of eden is not on the planet earth it is in the plane of say the uh, astral plane before the physical plane exists and the transfers of the knowledge of good and evil to Adam and Eve is the actual creation of the earth or the creation of man on the earth or the creation of matter of the material realm. And Adam and Eve actually existed in a different plane. If it's the same creation story, the creation of Yaldabaoth or the Demiurge creation or the concept of the uh, serpent on the earth, maybe that's all the same story just told through a different point of view. So if they lived on a limited plane that did not include that dimension of knowledge of good and evil. And then they were given that. They were given the new dimension of knowledge between good and evil that would cease to exist on their limited plane and have to move to the new one. Well, we have this concept, you know, of them being kicked out of the garden when they're given the knowledge. And, you know, maybe that kicking them out of the garden is actually the creation of the earth and then being placed on the earth. And so that realm, which is outside of the garden, is actually the realm of earth or the realm of the material instead of maybe it's like a limit. You know, they talk about how these different planes all intersect each other. They're not like distinct locations. There's not like the spiritual plane, which is completely separate from the astral plane, which is completely separate from the material plane. They're all interwoven. And it's really the perception of those planes that is the division between them. And so if you're given the knowledge of good and evil, maybe that's consciousness. And now I'm conscious of the earth and the realm around me, which I didn't have before. And I was only aware of this other spiritual plane or this other astral plane. But now I have this consciousness of the earth. And so I am limited within the earth. I'm limited to the perceptions of my senses as they perform here on this planet in this atmosphere. I don't know. I'm trying to find the nexus between the way these stories all overlap. You know, what are they talking about when they talk about the creation of everything by Sophia or by Yaldabaoth or by the Demiurge? Is that the Big Bang? Is that or the creation of the universe, of the material universe, as distinct from these other planes? It really doesn't go into any detail other than the Earth itself. Right, because they have this concept that the earth is all there is right the earth right. is the world at that time you know that's about all they can see is earth moon and sun that's why they were talking about the all-powerful was looking into the waters because they believe that that's what was up there is water that's where rain came from <laughs> the atmosphere yeah okay <laughs> So they didn't really understand anything of, of the entire universe. Another idea about Eden, before I get off into the creation part, Eden specifically could be simply innocence. Eden is just innocence. And once you lose innocence, then you're no longer in Eden. That could be part of what they're just trying to convey with that Eden story. 
children growing up. Yeah, yeah. And in this innocence, you have this ability to communicate with... Kids and drunks tell the truth. <laughs> so there's the breakdown, right? There's the modern yeah. Christian rendition of these concepts versus these Gnostic traditions of these concepts, which are sort of distinctly different, right? Because there's that influence of the church to force monadic deity. Right. The progression of the Christian theology did not allow for all these other gods so they all got kind of muted as much as possible <laughs> that's why i said you'll see truth and wisdom will be capitalized and you'll see them kind of personified but they didn't use any of those names is truth logos and wisdom sophia wisdom wisdom is referred to as feminine so it has to be sophia yeah sophia is wisdom yeah that's the problem with all these there is actually a manuscript called pistis sophia Hmm. which is all about that connection between wisdom and Sophia. They've also kind of connect Sophia with Lilith, some of the more Judaic Gnostics. That's the association they make. <laughs> it's a deep basket. Well, I didn't mean to distract from what you were saying, Mr. Alchemist. You were talking about the different planes and their relation to the creation. Right. Each realm has the same hierarchy because the same algorithm creates each realm. I, I'm trying to find a, a language that w we're all relatable and we can stay on the same plane because that's the problem with time and languages. Words change definitions and, you know, they can change what things are called. So it's, we got to come up with a verbiage. Right. So there is Heindel's seven planes according to the Rosicrucian Cosmo Conception, which includes the Divine Plane, the Plane of Virgin Spirits, the Plane of Divine Spirit, the Plane of Life Spirit, the Plane of Thought, the Desire Plane, and the Physical World. You know, I thought I made really good notes. I understood them at the time. So at the top, your Divine Realm? That would be the Virgin Spirit is what they call it, yeah. Well, technically, there would have to be one above that, which is where that all-powerful spirit is yeah because it is the beginning of all things so there can be nothing else with it and this is the divine will is that what we're talking about kether and the kabbalistic tree of life it's the eternal the infinite eternal <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the everything this is what was staring into the waters whose reflection became barbelos that would be the second plane it would have to descend to the second plane to do that. And then the creation of Sophia would be the third plane. And all those demiurges would exist in the third plane. What is Barbellos again? I'm not familiar with that. It's the reflection of the divine. It's the self-awareness. It's the first thought. Yeah. The structure is like this. The invisible spirit. Incorruptible, invisible spirit. Then Barbellos. Barbellos has people that live there, okay? One of those people is forethought. People are spiritual beings, are gods. Aeons. Yeah. Aeons. Okay, archons, aeons. The personification of a thought, a perception, concept, okay? Aeons live in the second and third realm. Yeah. Forethought has... Are all my notes here? What did you do with all my shit, Ted? God damn. <laughs> And Yaldabaoth was created in the third realm, but couldn't exist in the third realm. Right. Because he was too powerful or because he was not of that realm? He was too corrupt. Yeah. I see. And so he was cast down to the fourth realm, but he had seen the third realm, and he wanted that third realm there in the fourth. So he gave knowledge to man. Ah, oh, there's my problem. That page doesn't even have a damn number on it. Ted, Ted, this is horrible work, man. One of those aeons came down here and got pissed off and, like, flooded everything. It was like, fuck you, bastards. <laughs> I think that's the world of both itself. There's page two, there's page three. This page doesn't have a number on it, Ted. Ted, this is four. <laughs> is that a five or is that a six? Why are you letting Ted get a hold of your notes, Von Alchemist? We've had conversations about this. This guy, Ted, you've really got to get rid of this guy. He keeps screwing everything up. No, no, he, he's part of the... He's part of the <laughs> right on top of that, Rose. Uh, there's five. There's five. Okay. okay. Sorry, Ted, you can start listening again. All right. So we have the layer of the invisible Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll just call it that. We'll call it the IVS for short. 
that's the top of the thing, okay? Guys, we will get this shit together. I promise we'll make sense and we'll be professional eventually. Right, Ted? Uh-huh. So then the next thing is forethought. Forethought is an idea. Like, ah, uh, okay, I'm here. Now I got to have stuff to work with, right? So this is what I need to work with. And prior acquaintance, incorruptibility, eternal life, and truth. These are the first thoughts of forethought, okay? This is where it gets weird. So IVS is like, hey, forethought, you're looking good there with all your truth and your incorruptibility. Let's get it on, baby. You know what I'm about. Aeon love. <laughs> Aeon love. All right. And then they have a child. The third round. And this, uh, this child is called the Christ. And the Christ has its own aeons. They're, they are called illuminaries. Um, four sets of illuminaries. Word. Peace, intelligence, perception, and wisdom. Okay, now this is the third round. Wisdom, we've already, we've got to have ourselves with that. We know what wisdom does. She's like, hey, I did this thing and it's fucked up, so I'm going to hide it from everybody. When you say she fucked up, you're talking about the creation of the Aldabalt? Yeah. She's like, oh, this thing that I made without any help from anybody else is corrupted somehow, so I've got to hide it. I don't know why it's wisdom freaking out and hiding shit, but she hides it here in the physical realm. And Aldabalt, thinking I'm in the, this physical realm by my damn self, I am God. So he already knows from what he knows from being part of IVS creates this world this realm in that structure okay so he's got his own forethought illuminaries and these are the we made man in our image so they set about making man right they've got it there they get him wrapped in his dirt body to get adam made and structured in all the levels of adam but it won't do anything so wisdom gets with forethought i fucked up look what it's done so come up with a plan and this plan is called afterthought so this breaks down like this. Wisdom goes, I'm going to go hide an Adam. Then I'm going to tell Lodabolf the way to make Adam work. You have to breathe life into Adam. But she knows this works because the breath that Lodabolf breathes into Adam is the breath that IVS gave everything. The same breath of life and spirit that is in us. Right? So it works. So Aldabuff goes, hey, wisdom is hiding an atom. We got to get that out of there. Rip. Now we've got Eve. And Aldabuff says, hey, wisdom is hiding an Eve. I'm going to rape it. But before that happens, wisdom escapes Eve and returns to the garden in the form of a eagle, not a serpent, and tells Eve to eat the fruit of knowledge. Okay, that's caught itself in the structure. So you said an eagle, not a serpent. Yeah, I don't know why that's different. Why is that different? I see. Is this where the sort of concept of the false Yahweh mm. or the false one God of the Old Testament comes from? Yeah. That's why the Gnostics think that Yahweh is laudable in the wrong God. Is it the Mayans or the Aztecs that had their vision was supposed to be the eagle eating the snake? That's where they would build their city. Maybe it was. And that's how it got built in the middle of the fucking lake. <laughs> <laughs> because it was on the island in the middle of the lake that they saw the eagle eat the snake. I don't really know all that, that story. I don't know this story, but I do recall seeing some sort of iconography of an eagle carrying a snake. And that seems related to something in South America or Central America in my memory so maybe so i'm just talking about the symbolism of the eagle being more powerful than the snake you know being one of the things in nature that actually hunts the snake instead of the snake being the predator it has something to do with chitania yeah <laughs> yeah i studied that religion too okay that's good i have a copy of the popol vuh <laughs> the what the popol vuh 
it's one of their holy books. Either the Mayans or the Aztecs. I can't ever tell them apart. Aztecs killed more people. They blood sacrificed more people than the Mayans did. The Mayans built more stuff. Now we will take a break for some advertisements. Please support our sponsors. Just imagine this could be your advertisement. Please reach us at the blind alchemy podcast at gmail.com to provide sponsorship. And now, back to the show. Maybe this is what you're talking about. Gordon Brotherson keeps an open mind on the possible presence of the pre-Hispanic snake in the foundation emblem, pointing out that according to the Ozlan annals, one of the four bearers who carried Huitzilopochtli during the migration from Ozlan was called Quacotl, a name which contains the concepts of both the eagle, the Quatili, and the snake, the Caudal. Intriguingly, this could be the same person in the Chronica Mexicayotl Tezozosmoc relates the legend of the migration and names one of the god bearers as eagle who goes into the fire or the eagle snake. Moreover, in his essay, El Aguila y la Serpiente in Mitos Mexicanos, edited by Enrico Florescano, Lopez Austin shows images of eagles devouring snakes are clearly present in pre-Hispanic art, ancient representations of age-old binary opposites, specifically the sun, eagle, and the water, the snake. Okay, can we stop that now? Hey, Buck, remember our discussion about telling you shut up when I need to tell you shut up? You're going on too long. Love you, Buck. Thank you for being here. Butchered all of that. Forgive us all of Aztec and Mayan culture heritage. We are butchering the shit out of this. Okay, I have lost three points trying to get you to stop talking so I talk. It's worldwide. It's the same stories globally. Yeah, worldwide. Globally, it's the same story. There's a snake, a serpent, and something that flies. Something creepy crawly. It splitters. And something flying. And something that soars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the serpent and the dove, right? Something physical, carnal, and something spirit. Knowledge and wisdom. That may be the difference. Something grounded and something free. Oh, nice. The eagle represents the sun, the solar, the star, while the serpent represents the symbol of wisdom or the symbol of evil, which in this case would be relative to Yaldabaoth, the demiurge, in contrast with the Christ or the light of God's knowledge. Hmm. If we think of the Christ not as the Christ that Jesus became after his ascension. But just the one that brought knowledge. Well, not like Lucifer, not the light bearer, but Christ as the manifestation of the light of God or the being of God or the wisdom of the God, which is all the gods. I don't know. You know, that all breaks down for me because it depends on what... Gnostic tradition you're talking about, as you, as you've mentioned before. Yeah, well, we got to put all this in a blender, and <laughs> come up with something that makes sense. <laughs> so you mentioned this concept of Yoldabaoth as having this uh, jealousy aspect to him, right? Is that what you were saying, blind alchemist? Mm -hmm. That's the phrase, I am a jealous god, there are no other gods before me, allegedly comes from Yaldabaoth and is attributed to Yahweh, and that would be more the Torah, wouldn't it? Yeah, the Old Testament or the Torah. That's the problem with this whole thing, trying to piece pieces of pieces from different aspects of different times and different religions and different languages. And it's very complicated. You have to look through several lenses at once to get a whole picture, I think. And trying to decipher each lens just muddies it. There is a school of thought that the Old Testament God isn't the same as the New Testament God. Right. Yes. And Old Testament God would be Yadavoth. Mm-hmm. And the New Testament God would be one of the higher aeons. Well, it would be Christ because the Christ, the child, it's like he comes back and it's like, hey, you guys are fucking up. You know, you got to listen to me. But at the same time, that Christ also talks about a father. Mm -hmm. 
Yes, and he says multiple times, I am the Messiah, the Son of God, not the incarnation of God. Yeah, the Christ from the spiritual structure. It doesn't quite become the Christ until after he is crucified. When he ascends, he becomes the Christ, right? The Messiah is not the Christ until he is crucified. I would think it would, he would become the Christ before, the transmogrification. When he goes up the mountain and puts it. Well, he was the Messiah, but he wasn't really the Christ. Well, when he goes up the mountain, <laughs> when he goes up the mountain and puts on his, the garments white as snow, right? That the light body that would make him the Christ. That's when it happens, right? Then he comes back and sacrifices the physical body because he knows that ain't going. To, I mean, that ain't nothing but a broken clay jar. And throw that away. I'm still me always, with even without that particular suit on. Does that make sense? The non-biodegradable container. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I guess it depends on the tradition. You know, Mm -hmm. from the view of the Gnostics, all of this is still questionable, right? Because there's this concept of the knowledge before the Old Testament is the true knowledge. There is this idea that this knowledge of the seven planes and the knowledge of these various earlier traditions is the true knowledge and not just the knowledge that was created by those who conspire to prevent the world from knowing about the true divine will or the true nature of God or the Gnostic knowledge, the apocrypha, the occult, the hidden, the esoteric knowledge of God versus that which is popular religion of the Christian church. Well, they were negotiating it at the time themselves. You know, one group would have one set of books and another group would have another set of books that may include some of the same books, but different books that weren't in the first group. All of them were trying to figure out how it all tied together. Peter and Paul didn't agree on any of this stuff. There weren't really churches then. There were just meetings in people's houses. More likely, it was a person that had collected some of these books Mm -hmm. and people just kind of gravitated towards them because they had access to the knowledge and you you could go to any whatever group you know you wanted to and it probably wasn't really organized as any kind of church per se as much as just a person or a a group a village or collection would have these texts and if you wanted to know you kind of had to hang out with them and be around them and then there would be another group somewhere else that had another group of books that's like i said some of them may be the same some of them may have a different book thrown in there, but they were all kind of studying the knowledge together. Mm-hmm. In your studies, did either of you come across this concept of the act of creation being an act of ignorance that I brought up before? Instead of Sophia intentionally creating Yaldabaoth and instead of the Demiurge intentionally creating the planet Earth or the material realm, this idea that it's possible that these were creations out of ignorance, not realizing their power. It wasn't necessarily an act of will to create the material plane, but an accidental act of creation. And this sort of lends this idea to the concept of man or the world isn't to be blamed for the evil that it incarnates or the evil things that happen in the realm of reality as we know it, the physical plane, aren't aspects manifest of ourselves out of our desire they are just aspects manifested out of ourselves out of our ignorance so in other words man's original sin or all the sins of man aren't man's faults they're aspects of this creation which were breathed into us with the breath of life as its accidental outcome well yaldabaoth was accidental not in not meaning to create something, but Sophia was attempting to create another Aeon and fucked up and created something mortal or something that belonged to the mortal realm. She created something she wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she didn't know what she was creating either. It was That's not what she intended to create. Right, that's probably the ignorance part of it. She didn't know. She intended to create something more pure, more divine, And the fuck-up was something that was in the mortal realm. 
Yeah, I think some traditions of thought even take it farther than that. It was almost like in a state of great emotion. She was screaming into the wind, if you will, in the forest and accidentally outpopped Yaldabaoth because <laughs> she just was so emphatic with her emotional outburst that she didn't even intend to create. It was just a, you know, it was like an accidental creation. And then when I get mad, I go out and just scream up an entire mortal world. <laughs> yeah. I can't count how many mortal worlds. I Most have. men, you know, when they get so mad, they end up destroying things instead of creating things. So what about the alternative? Uh, the other side of that coin, the concept that the creation is the manifestation of evil, which is the demiurge, which, you know, if you break down that word demiurge, it's demi meaning of the material realm and urges being this idea of like the urges of the ego or the urges of the id or the urges of man, the desire. The word demiurge always sounds like a half-ass attempt to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I kind of feel like I want to do it, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's more into the pronunciation, the way we break it down. That pronunciation is probably not right, but I see what you're saying there. <laughs> I kind of have the urge. Yeah, yeah. Like, demigod, demiurge. But just, you know, like demi. <laughs> yeah. It's not like a godly urge. It's like a manly urge. Not compelling enough. <laughs> yeah. It's not semi-urge, though. <laughs> Well, that's not even halfway. <laughs> that's it. The entire creation of the evil, the abomination that was never intended to exist. But he loves us. He wants to save us. Yeah, I think that's one perception. There has to be the original sin of man because man could be nothing else than that he is sinister. Ted, Ted, where's lunchbox? Ted, you keep screwing up our meeting, Ted. Okay, there's Lunchbox, Ted. Thanks for all your efforts, Ted. Do you have any thoughts about that, Blind Alchemist? The evil nature of man? Because man is the manifestation of the evil nature of Eldebolth or the Demiurge or the False Yahweh. But it contains the spark of the original, right? Yeah, everything contains both good and evil. Yeah. So there's the division of the higher and the lower, the, the spirit and the physical. Yaldabaoth just knew how to tap into that in Mortal Man. Mm -hmm. He knew how to poke it and irritate it and get it going. The evil nature, is that what you're saying? Um, either side. Okay. The division, really. Not just the evil, but the good side. You know, sometimes when it pokes, they answer with love. <laughs> Depends on the being. But I think Yaldabaoth only knows how to poke. <laughs> knows how to fuck around and find out. So he's like the Nelson. If the astrological plane is the Simpsons, he's like the Nelson <laughs> of the Simpsons. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I think when it's all said and done, if man realizes that it truly contains and can access the original spark, or the spark of the original Virgin Holy Spirit, whatever, whatever we're calling it, of true source, of true God, then it's gonna realize it's more powerful than Yaldabaoth. I think that's where the Satan has the hatred of man from, you know, that, that pride. I'm not bowing to that goddamn thing. Look, you know, I put you in it, but I, I'm not gonna bow to it kind of deal. So if we realize they're supposed to bow to us, then what's that gonna do for society, for man as a civilization? What will it do for us? Yeah. I'm not sure I'm following. Can you elaborate on that? No. <laughs> Can you restate it? No. See, if man realizes that it's more powerful than the God that created it because of the God that lives in it, what does that mean for that God? Oh, I see what you're saying. Once man realizes that it is as powerful as God, then we can defeat God. It humbles God. Or the demigod that is the false Yahweh. Well, I'm assuming there's too many names for the same thing that imply a different aspect of it. Like, you can't, it's so hard to nail down. I'm sorry, I picked a tough subject. And some of the names imply certain aspects, but not others. Mm -hmm. 
like you know lucifer can encompass a lot of things and then uh, the word christ can encompass a lot of things and they don't always be the same thing right right and you know it depends on which tradition you're looking at the word satan to determine mm -hmm. what that word encompasses we have this concept that's pushed down through the christian church that satan is the embodiment of evil when it's not at all that in the origin story of that word. Right. Well, when we first see the word Satan or Satan or whatever, it's Job. Now we will take a break for some advertisements. Please support our sponsors. Just imagine this could be your advertisement. Please reach us at the blind alchemy podcast at gmail.com to provide sponsorship. And now, back to the show. Well, when we first see the word Satan or Satan or whatever, it's Job. It's not acting like the devil. It's acting like a prosecuting attorney. Yeah, the original Shaitan or whatever was just kind of meant adversary. Yeah. Somebody that was causing me troubles. If you look at Job, it's like the Satan shows up and says, Hey, God, look at old Job there. You think Job's awesome? God's like, yeah, Job's awesome. He's doing everything he's supposed to. But watch this. I'm going to go fuck with him. And he's going to hate you for it. And ultimately, Job doesn't. But, you know. It wasn't necessarily the incarnation of evil or the devil. It was just some random, look what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Nelson. Ha ha. It's almost like there had to be some adversary to point at to act as the evil boogeyman in order to get people to repent for sin. But they also have the ancient god of hell, which they needed to pull into to get the pagans to, you know, it's like all these other aspects of Christianity, like the Christmas yeah, tree. Christianity and, is the only thing that has a, a burning hell. I can't speak to Islam because I'm not. Do you, do you know about that one, Lunchbox? Uh, yes, they do have a place of, no. Judaism has shoal, and it's more like the underworld than it is a burning leg of fire, the Christian house. Sheol is just like a place underground. Yeah. They did have something similar, though, that was like the just the trash pit mm. for large cities that they kept incinerating on a constant basis, and that was a punishment. That's Guiana. To be sent there to monitor the fires and keep them going and shit. Mm. So that's where they get the smell of sulfur from. Shoal kind of works like the burning away of the soul's humanity as it rescinds back to the source. There's a special prayer for, I like you're supposed to pray it every day. You're supposed to take like a year for this burning away of humanity. All right, now hold on. Since we're talking about Gnostics. Okay, break it down. Bring it to us. You got to talk about part of their influence in the death process as well no i haven't and they suck from the river of forgetfulness when they cross over oh okay yeah so when your spirit crosses over you're supposed to forget everything about this life <laughs> okay okay so crossing that river either way makes you forget right huh. so in the concept of reincarnation this might explain why there's not a knowledge of previous lives. Yeah, that was what I was thinking. Previous incarnations, if you will. Right. That's a bizarre concept for me to reconcile, though, is reincarnation. We talked about that last time. I just, uh, the number of lives fluctuates, you know, on the planet so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is the thought that the Earth is a school where you go and re-go and re-go and re-go until you get it right enough to go to the next school. The next realm, the next plane. Yeah. And all you got to do is wake up and realize that you have the stuff inside yeah. you. <laughs> That's it. And it's been there the whole time. Yeah. Been there the, been whole, there the time. whole time. Everything you've learned. You didn't even have to do any of that stuff over and over again. Yeah. What is this, some kind of fucking Disney movie? Yeah. You could have just looked in the mirror the whole time. Yeah. It was right there. Go out in the woods, scream, create a whole mortal world <laughs> of suffering. All of it. Just because you had to be angry and show your ass. <laughs> All you had to do was go look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Search within. Yeah, the kingdom of heaven is within.
I don't buy it. <laughs> we don't buy it. You don't buy it? I ain't buying it. <laughs> you don't buy the idea the location of Nirvana is within you? Uh, I believe it could be if you have control of your own thoughts. You know, like the uh, the prisoner in paradise concept. Close your eyes and picture yourself on the fucking beach. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, so... If you don't have control of your own thoughts, what does control your thoughts? Or are your thoughts you? Or are your thoughts something different than you? Um, parts of your life, your family. Your programming. Uh, I have kids and stuff, so they kind of determine my, they kind of guide my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Our dependency on the material world, consumerism, <laughs> job, bills, electricity, these fancy devices we're talking to each other on. All of the distractions from looking within. Yeah. Finding what you already have. So you're saying you can't see yourself in your black mirror? Oh, I see myself all the time. <laughs> I make TikToks. I have to go back and watch them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like the video game ones because they're not me. They're, <laughs> they're the video game. I can put some funny quote over it <laughs> and some funny music behind it. You prefer to exist as an archetype? No, I have plenty where I show my face. It's just I'm liking those videos more. I might start a whole another channel where I just do that, like show some random video game clips and put some deep quotes over the screen. <laughs> mm -hmm. So to recap, to recap, the great all, yes. the all being, the eternal, yes. saw itself and made it the first thought, mm -hmm. which became the second realm or Barbellos. Mm -hmm. The second layer of creation. Right. And then more aeons to follow. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There's like 12 or something. The next generation down contained Sophia. Mm -hmm. And then Sophia begat Yaldabaoth by mistake. Yes. And Yaldabaoth was either sent to the earth or created the earth. Yes. That's where we got. That's where we need some clarification there. Well. I will go study and restudy and, and... I will go back in time. <laughs> Learn four languages and find these ancient texts, and I'll get back with you as soon as humanly possible. We don't know if it was Yaldabaoth that tempted Eve with knowledge or if it was Sophia. Right. That tempted Eve with knowledge. That's the thing. What I'm having trouble with sometimes is we've got the serpent, we've got the Satan, when we've got the Lucifer. They seem to be three separate entities or three separate aspects of the same entity. But it's not the triple male. <laughs> not the triple male. According to this handbook, the Gnostic handbook, it is from this world of ideals the lower worlds emanate, resulting in the physical world. Platonism, Neoplatonism, and Gnosticism argue between themselves in regard to the nature of matter, while all posit that the Demiurge, which created the material dimensions, they argue whether it was demonic to malefic or bungling Bung. or a demigod. It depends on the school or the sect. The Plutarch from 45 to 125 AD, for example, positive a negative world soul called the Demiurge and hence heralded a reconciliation between Platonic and Gnostic thought. When the Platonic model was combined with Pythagorean mathematics, a hierarchical structure resulted. This early model, which spanned the universe from the all to matter, was probably the map from which later Kabbalah and medieval occult schematics evolved. Them damn Pythagoreans. Man. <laughs> well, that's where I think these different ideas of like the seven and the 12 and all these numerical algebraic concepts sort of came in when they were trying to merge these Gnostic traditions with these Pythagorean. Yeah. Gematria. Do you know about that? No, what's that? It's like numerology in names. Okay. Every letter. I know a couple of Masons, Freemasons on TikTok and they're obsessed with it <laughs> it's like uh every letter has a uh, numerical value i remember my grandfather being interested in it as well he was a freemason oh i remember him being interested in it as well not quite like these guys or at least it wasn't as evident at the time but yeah there's a math there that's one of the reasons why i found it lovely <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> i can understand math math works show me balance
No, no, math doesn't work. We we talking about it doesn't do anything. They're just numbers. They just lay there. Shapes, pictures, movement, math just sits there. But there's this beautiful balance. Yeah. Okay. I I, I don't I don't see it. I understand that you can see that, and it's lovely. And I can't. And I I, I I'm a little jelly. I'm a little jealous about that. To be honest. When we talk about these aeons, and all of them have a little bit of good and a little bit of bad in them, there's again this beautiful balance mm. sometimes individually and then sometimes it takes a few on each side obviously in the case of the aldaboth it was heavy towards one side and so it took one of them coming down and influencing man to try to balance that out mm. <laughs> makes sense <laughs> sometimes i have to make it make sense <laughs> that's all we're trying to do to make sense of the things around us, the things that we can't see, and the things that we can. Did you want me to continue on those other concepts of the Demiurge? No, I think we flogged the shit out of that dead horse. <laughs> very, very succinctly, the other aspect is the Demiurge is the incarnation of evil, or Saturn, or Satan. Yeah, see, there's the Satan, Satan, black cube connection. And then there's the other concept of the Demiurge as uh, not tester, but just sort of bungler. He was ignorant, you know, the sort of idea of ignorance that I've brought up a few times before. There's the, the Bonnie Five. You know, one of the UFOs is a black cube. Oh, really? Yeah, the one that they saw off the uh, Atlantic coast was a black cube inside of a transparent sphere. <laughs> I found a brief summary on that creation story that you were talking about, if you want me to read it. All right. Yeah, go ahead. To understand the nature of the Demiurge and hence the true Gnostic position on the world and matter, we need to provide a background on some of the myths involved. There are many traditions and explanations of how this occurred, ranging from the fall of Sophia to the Genesis tale. For the Valentinians, the primal error occurred after a long process of hierarchical expansion. The Yun originate or originator expanded into a manifestation and hierarchies on hierarchies took form. Each hierarchy manifested a further hierarchy until finally the last emanation, Sophia, was created. These were the aeons, these hierarchies. Yeah. We're trying to figure out the words that... Well, no, the, in this tradition, I believe it describes that there were seven personalities of the Pleroma, which are represented in the forms of different aeons, and the eighth and ninth of those aeons are like the divine will is the origin, and then there's the seven aeons, and then there's the Sophia, which is the seventh, but there's these hierarchies that are manifested by creative forces between the differently gendered or the dualistic nature of the aeons, but those hierarchies, I believe, are something else other than the aeons. But it says, each hierarchy manifested a further hierarchy until finally the last emanation Sophia was created. Sophia, being the last creation, did not understand the nature of what had occurred, and in her anguish, she cried out for the divine will. In this state of suffering, she emanated Yaldabaoth, or Ilaldabaoth. Yaldabaoth, in his ignorance, believed that he was the creator and formed matter. By his error, Sophia herself became trapped in his creation, as did thousands of beings of light that came to believe his error. This tradition is intriguing as it paints the demiurge in an ignorant rather than malefic role and in some sense it embodies the ambivalence found in much hermetic literature where the false creator is seen more as a blundering demigod than as an adversary. So, Earth was his creation, and he trapped beings of light. Sophia and the lives which I guess became the souls of the people. 144,000, that's where that number comes from, that's... <laughs> the rest of you don't get to go back to heaven sorry you don't get to go back to the pleroma
had a son She was awakened by the mind The Logos divine will makes the Logos run The Christ that come You'll return to a Christ like mine Pleroma, unknown net origin It's the source of life was the principle It was first throughout Nazi time Seven ordained major aeons It depends on who you ask Valentinians, they have count them seven Though our planes are to match on With secret keeping mysteries The hierarchy, the polarity of my dots Pleroma, has seen Demir Saturn has got an evil mind Fall for common, the Sephiroth Make distorted kind of others You're the part and immortals Please support our sponsors. We ain't got no sponsors. We talking about this whole damn podcast is brought to you by me because I'm the fucking sponsor here. And now back to the show. But then it goes on to further say that even among the Gnostics, there are many variations and interpretations of the fall, and some traditions see the Creator as the Divine Will or Sophia, others see the Creator as the Demiurge and hence evil, some have two Yahwehs, a true light lord, and a false substitute, and some sects refute the whole Old Testament saying that it's the work of the false Yahweh, while others even see the serpent in Genesis as the premonition of the Savior, in other words, the incarnation of the Christ. It's so confusing, isn't it? He was the light bringer. Yeah, the original. He brought the knowledge. Okay, I think I can make sense of this now. Okay, we've got the invisible spirit creates forethought. Forethought needs prior acquaintance. These are the aeons. Okay, forethought, prior acquaintance, incorruptibility, eternal life, truth. Okay, forethought and invisible spirit, get it on. That's Christ. The self-originate. That's what it's referred to as. And you're saying that God raped his son? No. <laughs> oh. Okay. Forethought is Christ, right? Forethought being the mother, IVS being the father, Christ being the son. So I think that's where we get the trihead. The divine will, if you will, is the original God. Oh, okay. IVS. Yeah, IVS. Invisible virgin spirit. 
invisible virginal spirit. And together they make the self-originate, that's Christ. And Christ has more aeons with it, and they're called luminaries. Their names you are never heard before, and I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce them. Hormoziel? Oriel? Uh, yeah. We're going to stop there. We're butchering a language I don't even know what it is. I thought I had the four luminaries written down somewhere. Armazel, Arroyal, Daviath, Elleth. These are Sethian luminaries. Yeah. I'll do better with my notes, guys. I'm sorry. I'll stop letting Ted take them. Well, we didn't even get into the manifestation of Michael becoming Jesus. No, we didn't. We didn't get that far. This is complicated and deep, fellas. This could take four or five lifetimes. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for being here. Today's guest, uh, our TikTok sensational friend, Lunchbox. Today's other guest is Buck Johnson, everybody, our residential uh, philosophical expert. Thanks for being here, guys, and getting uh, sidetracked and lost and uh, very confused with me. Well, I enjoyed myself. Thanks for having me on the podcast, Blind Alchemist. Had a great time. And everyone else that is listening today, glad to have you. Thanks for being here. Come again, please. I'm your host, your guest on the quest, as we float through the sea of frequency that we call reality. Love you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, please hit us up on every social platform you can find. Be safe out there. Come back and talk to me, all right? We would love to receive your feedback and your questions for advice. Please email us or send us a voicemail. Our address is theblindalchemypodcast at gmail.com. Find, like, review, subscribe, and contact us on Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, Twitter, and YouTube at The Blind Alchemy Podcast. All one word. Please subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player. We are available on Spotify, SoundCloud, and anchor.fm slash the blind alchemy podcast please tell all your friends enemies and any strangers to listen to our podcast this will help us bring joy to everyone text-to-speech services were provided by freetts.com and readloud.net we would like to extend a special thank you to the world's greatest musicians sound designers and engineers at Hailline Productions for their help with the composition, performance, editing, production, and recording of both the original music and today's show. Please like their content on SoundCloud, 